All right, ladies, welcome. We are uh, continuing our study of the Tehillim of David HaMelech Adav Shalom. These classes are uh, studied <coughs> in memory. The Eidun Shama, the Tzadiket, Lili Le'a Bat Virgene, Mrs. Lili Meddeb Adav Shalom, who was a great Tzadiket, and uh, <coughs> her son, Dr. Rafi, championed this project that we should try to go through the entire book, one chapter at a time, and uh, it should be for her Now, in our last session, which seems uh, like a very long time ago, I think we ended in with chapter 65, so that brings us to chapter 66. I'd like to be a little aggressive this morning and try to do two chapters, so it's your lucky day. If you have your Tehillim books in front of you, uh, it'll be uh, advantageous so you could read inside. Now this chapter doesn't have a, you know, too much of a historical background, but it is what it is. So we'll jump right in. It's chapter 66, Lam Naseyah, Shir Mizmor. So this is the Lam Naseyah, David HaMelech writes these for the conductor, the conductor of the orchestra in the Beit HaMikdash. <clears throat> he presents the song, and then they eventually play these songs in the Beit HaMikdash. So this is another one for the conductor. It's a shir. Uh, and David HaMelech says that let the, uh, let the entire world, the Aris, the earth, hari'u, hari'u means let them, let them praise, praise God. And they will call out to God in praise. They will uh, extol <coughs> the uh, glory of His holy name. And they will uh, give honor by praising Him. They will say, now this is probably talking about when Mashiach comes. And uh, when that happens, there's going to be great revelations in the world from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, And the nations of the world are going to be uh, <coughs> dazzled by the wonders of Hashem. So Imru Elohim, they're going to say, Manorah Ma'asecha. Manorah, how you know, wondrous are your ways. Norah, awesome are your ways. Berov Uzecha when they see the power of your strength, yekahashu lecha oyevecha, which the way that she learns is, is that the reshaim, the enemies that used to deny God previously, when they see the, uh, the, the amount of uh, uh, power and force that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to bring to the world at the end of time, so they're going to be they're going to confess on their denial and their sins. So we, read, we learned the Pasuk is, uh, when they see the great might of God, the Goyim will confess on their denial. It's not that they will deny God, they will confess that they were wrong for denying God previously. That's how stunning it's going to be. Okay? All of the inhabitants of the world will bow to you. <clears throat> that shouldn't be a surprise to any of you. We say that every day in our little Shabayah. That at the end of time, the Fanecha, Yichri'u, Viyipolu, Vikabilu, Kulamit, Olmakutecha. 
Vizamerulach, and they will they will sing to you. Yizameru Shimcha Selah, they will sing the praises of your holy name, Selah. Selah means for eternity. Lechu Uru Mifalot Elohim, and the Pasuk says, Go and look at the ways, Mifalot, the the deeds, the actions of our God. Nora Alila. Nora Alila, God instills fear in his actions. Uh, when we see sometimes the, the justice of God, when the tzaddikim die, and we have different, God forbid, you know, major world events. So it's to instill fear in the person. So Nora Alila, Nora is fear, Alila. The ways of God is in order to bring Nora al Adam on the people. And now the chapter gives us one example in history. Hafachyam Yabbasha. That's, we just finished Pesach. So that refers when God turned the yam into yabasha. He turned the, uh, the water into dry land. Banahar ya'avru beragir. And they crossed by foot into the river. Sham nismehabu. And there uh, we had great joy when we saw the... Uh, when we saw the, the hand of God splitting the sea. Now, there is a, uh, a famous dirasha of a rabbi called the Maharsha on this pasuk. And it's worth your attention for a minute. <clears throat> There's a Gemara in Hulin on page 7. And the Gemara tells a story of a rabbi called the Pinhas bin Ya'ir. And one time he was walking and he got to a river. And the river was called Nehar Ginai. And he had to get to the other side of the river. And he didn't have a raft or a boat or a, uh, you know, a jet ski. So how's he going to get across the river? So he tells the river, you know, if you're a big rabbi, you have all the magic tricks. So he tells the river, river split. You know, divide so I can be on my way. And the river, supposedly, or the, the, the malach that's in charge of the river, answers back to the rabbi, Listen, I know you're going to do a mitzvah. He was on the way to do, he was redeeming captives. It's a big mitzvah to redeem Jews that are in captivity. So that's what he was going to do. So the river says, listen, you're going to do something. You might be successful. You might not be successful. I'm doing something that God wants me to do. God told me to be a river. I'm definitely doing what I'm supposed to do. You are maybe going to succeed. I am definitely succeeding. Therefore, I don't have to listen to you. You believe that? The river answered back the rabbi. So the rabbi didn't take that well, as you can imagine. And he told them, listen, if you don't uh, split right now so I can walk across, I'll dry you up forever. And you'll never have any flow of water run through you again. And when the river heard that, okay, you put it that way. And then the, the, river, the river split, and the rabbi, the rabbi walked across. After he walked across, the river went back. Now, there was somebody with him but I guess it was, was lagging behind. And he was carrying the wheat for the matzot, for Pesach. There's a halakha that says you have to protect the wheat from becoming hametz. And this guy had the wheat in his hand protecting it. And uh, he tells the river, hey, you got to split again. There's a guy over here doing a mitzvah. He's carrying the matzot, the, 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 the wheat. And the, the river didn't even hesitate this time. And split a second time. And the, this guy uh, who was walking with the rabbi walked across. And then it closed. And then 
there was an Arab that was traveling with them. And uh, the uh, rabbi told the water that even though he's not doing a mitzvah, but we don't want to make a hilul Hashem because he's traveling with us. And what, this, this, he only splits for the, for the Jews and we, we let the, the goy, uh, you know, take the Arab bridge crossing. He says, no, we're going to split again. So he tells the river, split again. Sure enough, it split. So it split three times for the Bipin Hasbin Ya'ir. Now, the Maharsha, on his commentary to that Gemara, says all this is hinted in this Pasuk. So let's go back. We're in chapter 66, Pasuk Vav. Hafach Yam the Yabasha. God split the Yam and made it dry land. That's in Egypt. That's the original story. Banahar Yavru Beragel. And in the river, that's the river of Rabbi Pirhas's story. That's why it's called the Nahar over here, because it was a river. Ya'avru, they passed during the Ragel, during the holiday. Because didn't we say one of the guys was carrying the wheat for the Matzot? Moshel Bigburato Olam. When Akadosh Baruch Hu wants to show his power, he's able to defy the nature, even though the nature is that a river should be flowing. Moshel Bigburato, the tzaddik, is Moshel. The tzaddik has the power to over, uh, override the natural order of the world. But then when he split it a third time for the Arab, it says, Enav Bagoyim Titspena. That he did it in order that the Goyim, that Arab that was with him, so he could see it. Enav Bagoyim. So the enemies will not come along and say, why? What kind of disrespectful people? They do it only for themselves and they don't do it for us. So therefore, the enemies, we don't want them to be brazen and have claims. So you see the story is really Mirumaz in the Tehilim. Now there's a famous Orahim Kadosh on this story, which is worthy to point out. Rabbi Pinhas bin Ya'ir was able to split the Nahar three times. When Moshe Rabbeinu came to split the Yamsuf, it says that he didn't have an easy time splitting it. There was, uh, again, a debate that ensued, and the Yamsuf told Moshe, I'm older than you. The, the water is created early on in creation, and Adam is created, man is created at the end. So I don't have to listen to you. Basically, the Yamsuf was telling Moshe, respect your elders. I'm older than you, so you don't have to tell me to split. And was making a whole uh, debate. And Moshe Rabbeinu needed to call in God in order to help for that miracle to happen. So the Orachim Kadosh asks, why did the Bipinhas have a relatively easier, uh, um, easier uh, 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 way to split the seed than Moshe? Clearly Moshe was greater than Nabi Pinhas. Nabi Pinhas was much later. So he says something so beautiful. He said, Moshe Rabbeinu was trying to split the sea before the Torah was given. Before the Torah was given, the rabbis don't have yet the power to override nature. But once the Torah is given and the rabbis study Torah, the Torah gives them the ability to suspend nature, to turn nature around. So the Bipinhas, it's not that he was greater than Moshe, it's just that since he was after the Torah, meaning we received the Torah, so therefore he was coming with the power of, power of the book. And the power of the book is, that's why when they're, God forbid, we need miracles, or we need to, a certain, uh, you know, uh, 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 yeah, salvation. So we go to the Tzaddikim, we learn Torah. Why? Because the Torah 
is something that's above creation. And therefore, when they come with their power of Torah, they're able to somehow, uh, you know, bring uh, salvations in a supernatural way, out of this world, like we would say, that maybe, you know, regular doctors or scientists are unable to do. So that's a derash on Spanish. Moshe, that we did. Now go to Pasukhet. Barichu amim Eloheinu. Let the nations praise God and bless Him when they see the miracles of Tidabo. Vashmi'u kol tehillato. And they will, uh, with a loud voice, Hashmi'u, they will broadcast uh, His praise. Hasam nafshenu bahayim. And we are going to praise God as well. 2,000 years of exile, and we're still alive. Hasam nafshenu bahayim. You kept us alive. You didn't let our feet falter, which is a miracle as well. We made it to the end of the, of the, of the marathon of Galut. God, you tested us. The exile is a test. It's a test of our faith. Uh, so many things happened to the Jewish people under the thumb of the Guim, and uh, the fact that we're still coming to Tehillim class, and we're still coming to Shul, and we're still uh, keeping Shabbat. And so it's a, it's a, it's a test of the Jews' commitment and loyalty. So, and we say it, Ki Elohim. Elohim is judgment. Your judgments serve as a test to us. Sedaftanu kitsurof kasef. You have purged us like they purged the silver. Uh, anybody ever know if you have silver? So the silver's not pure. The silver has impurities in it. So how do they get the dregs out of the silver? They put it in a very hot oven, a kiln, and it, burns at very, very high temperature, and the impurities come out. And they do it again. And then finally, they end up with kesef tahor, pure silver. Similarly, the Jew is compared to that, that God puts us in the furnace of exile. And the furnace of exile, it's a purification process, again, that we serve God under duress and under stress and under all the pressures of, of the exile with all the questions that we have and all the troubles that go on and B'nai Yisrael are still, as we say, we're, we're stiff-necked people, we're stubborn. You know, it's very hard for God to shake us off. We, we, we still hold on tight and that's what it means. You have purged us like they purge the, uh, or purify the silver. You put us in a trap. Exile is nothing short than a trap. Uh, everywhere we go, the Guim are trying to get us. So you brought us into this mitsuda in a very, very confined, and we don't mean in a space way, but from, from all the different laws that the Guim have made against us over the time. We're in a mitsuda. Samta mu'aka leraglen. You've put shackles on our, uh, on our, on our, on our thighs. We can't move. The exile has taken its toll over the Jewish people. Now this means you have placed enosh, men over us. Now what is this referring to? You have placed men over us. So the Gemara learns over here, and the Farshim learned it as well, that this is referring to, just so I give you the source of it, it's in the Gemara Megillah, page 11. There was a time in history where we were under a tyrant. And the tyrant had all the power that anybody could have. And he abused his power in order to annihilate us, men, women, and children, in one day. I know you know who that is. 
Who is it? Haman. Very good. That's not a test. Haman's the right answer. Now, one thing we know about Haman, besides that he was a big anti-Semite, he wasn't a king. He was a... He was a citizen. He was a man that rose to power. So here you have an odd situation. Normally, it's the king or the head of government that comes against the Jewish people. But there was one time in history where he wasn't a, he wasn't a king, he was an enosh. Enosh means a, a man. And that's referring to Haman. You placed a man over our heads, which is referring to Haman. And I'll give you a remez, how we know that this is referring to Haman. Number one, because he wasn't a king. The king Ahasuerosh wasn't aware of the diabolical plan that Haman was planning to do. There's also another interpretation to this. Haman's great-great-great-grandson was Adolf Hitler in Mahshemur. And Hitler also was from the, from the common. He wasn't from the, you know, the German uh, race even. He was Austrian. He wasn't from the line of, uh, of succession. He came, he came out of nowhere. Uh, he was, what was he, a painter? And he, was, he was in jail and prisons. And all of a sudden, the guy, you, you took some enosh, some commoner, and you put him over our heads. So both Haman and Hitler shared the same, uh, 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 you know, leadership quality. They were enosh. They were not. Now there's a famous opinion of Rabbeinu Bahya. He says that in Jewish writings, you'll find the Torah will use two words to refer to our enemies. Sometimes the enemies are called soneh, and sometimes the enemy is called an oyev. Soneh, oyev. Now, I always thought that they're synonymous, and I didn't make a big deal out of it, but Rabbi Bahya does. So if he makes a big deal out of it, we better make a big deal out of it. He says that Soneh always refers to any descendant of Esav. Uh, so that would include Haman, that would include Hitler. That's the Haman, that's the Esav line. And that's why we always have a rabbinical statement that says Esav Soneh Yaakov. Esav is the Soneh. And when we talk about Arabs, which is Ishmael, their hatred to us, they're called Oyev. And he says the word Oyev comes from the word Oy, because the, o- the Arabs give us a lot of what to say Oy about. They're definitely the Oyev. They're giving us reason to Oy. And Oy is a, a common language. You don't have to speak Hebrew to know what the word Oy means. I think Oy is the same meaning in any language that you speak. So that's Soneh and Oyev. So then, if that's the case, says the Rabbanim, Haman was not an Oyev. Haman is a direct descendant from Esav. So Haman is a Soneh. So if you look at the Pasuk over here, it refers to Haman as Enosh. Ladies, look at the word Enosh. You know how to play Bagel? Switch the letters around. You got it. The word enosh also can be read as soneh. And therefore, the pasuk is hinting to us that this is referring to the, the arch enemy, the soneh, which is the enosh, which was a man, was not a king, and it was a man that came from the descendants of Esav. Hence, that word enosh was used because it has a dual interpretation, enosh and soneh. Now, the pasuk says, Banu ba'eshu ba'mayim. We came... They came to burn us, and they came to drown us. Now, 
Hatam Sofit explains primarily when it comes to Esav, at least, they like to use the fire. I don't have to remind you, Adolf Hitler used the crematoriums in order to burn Jews. Uh, burning Jews is something that they've been doing for thousands of years. It's one of their pastimes. They burn Jews. And uh, Haman also, I guess in one of his plans, uh, he wanted to uh, kill all the Jewish people, I guess in some sort of ish, Ubamayim. Mayim is in, in water. Now, primarily, Yishmael usually uses water. Uh, for example, Paro, let's say it's from Yishmael. So Paro, the Egyptians, so they threw us into the water. So each nation has their own. But then it says, But you saved us. You saved us and we were Revaya. Uh, Revaya means when somebody's thirsty and their, um, their, their thirst is quenched. So it's like the Pasuk is using a, a terminology over here that's usually used by drinking. Like we say in the Kiddush on Shabbat, Kosi Revaya. Kosi, my, my cup that quenches my thirst, Revaya. So over here, it's referring to Queen Esther because how did Queen Esther save us from Haman? With the parties. And the parties were called what? Mishte Yayin. So therefore, she orchestrated these parties over wine, and ultimately in the parties, she revealed the uh, diabolical plan to the king, and everybody lived happily ever after. And as a result, at the end of time, we're going to thank God for his salvation, and we're going to come to the third temple, and we're going to bring sacrifices. Avo betecha be'olot. I will bring Qurban Ola, that's a sacrifice that we're able to contribute to the temple. Ashalem Darai. And I will. Oh, uh, ladies, my, my, uh, my apologies. One more interpretation uh, that I think is uh, appropriate. Only because we have a class that we give every day uh, explaining one mitzvah of the 613 mitzvot. There are 613 mitzvot in the Torah. I think as Jews, it's probably important to know the 613 mitzvot. After all, that's what our commandments are. So uh, I accepted upon myself this year, actually on Shavuot of last year, to orate every day one of the 613 mitzvot. Okay, that's my own uh, Kabbalah. Today, we got up to the 244th mitzvah. I will tell you what it is. The Isur, the prohibition against grafting trees. Okay, it doesn't look like we have too many farmers in the crowd today. But nonetheless, you're not allowed to graft. For example, you can't take an apple and an etrog and take the wood from an etrog tree and stick it in the wood of an uh, apple and then create now a, uh, I don't know what, a tafrog, a new, uh, a new type of fruit. Now, we're not discussing over here if you're allowed to eat it or not, or if you're allowed to sell it or not. That's a different discussion. We're talking about the actual grafter himself. Uh, we have that challenge. It's quite uh, common that they graft etrogim with lemons. and uh, that, That's why you have to make sure when you buy, well, you don't buy etrogim. But when we buy etrogim, we have to try to figure out that we're not buying a lemon. It's in, in, uh, that's where maybe they got the... Uh, the saying from me, he bought a lemon, but we were actually buying a lemon. 
<laughs> because you have to buy an etrog. So there's different telltale signs to know if the etrog is grafted or not. For example, an etrog has a lot of bumps on it. Lemon is usually smooth on the outside. Uh, when you cut it open, which obviously you're not going to cut it open before the holiday, but the inside of an etrog has more uh, uh, flesh than it has juice, whereas the lemon is more juice than flesh. So there's different, and the, and, and the, the, the the, the seeds line up differently as well. So, but again, we, we, can't, we can't open the etrog before Sukkot, so you just have to put it through a sonogram maybe to figure out what's going on inside. But nonetheless, there's different ways to check the, uh, the etrog. But that's grafting, so you're not allowed to graft. That's, and in Hebrew it's called leharkiv, or harkava. Harkava is the Hebrew word uh, to graft. So the Hatam Sufis says something so stunning on this Pasuk. He says, guess what? Although we're not allowed to graft, but God grafted us. Why? We're made up of two different parts. We're made up of a neshama, which is one species. The neshama is just a holy, you know, godly, divine item. And then the body. And the body's the body. You know, the body's uh, animal. The body's uh, animalistic. The body's uh, physical. And God came along and grafted the body and the soul together in an amazing way. And you know, this is something that turns out to become, it's called Adam. Uh, Adam is actually, we're called Adam. Human beings, been Adam. The rabbis explain because the Aleph of Adam, is Aleph represents one, which is the godliness. One is Hashem. The Aleph is the one, that's the Neshama. And then Dam, Dam is the blood, that's the physical part. So we're made up of two parts, Aleph and Dam. And that's called Adam. So he says, and where is the Neshama? If you had to point to your Neshama, where would you point? Where is your, very good. Most people go like this, uh, they point over here. Now I'm sure there's, there's heart and the different organs in the body in this section of the body, but there's no Neshama over there. So it's not the right place. The Neshama is actually, if you want to be more specific, it's right, right over here where the men put their tefillin, right where the tefillin rests. Uh, so then the lady told me, oh, well, well, we don't wear tefillin, but if a lady wears a wig, the, the clip usually of the wig is, is right over there also. So maybe, maybe that's what they're doing. Anyway, and I'm not recommending that you wear tefillin either. But the point is that the neshama is in the head. So look what God does. God grafts a head and he meshes it with a body. So look at the, uh, look at the pasuk now. Hirkavta, God, you were markib, you grafted enosh. Enosh is the physical, the, the, the physical side, leroshenu, you attached it to our head, which is the neshama. So that's, it's a trivia question. You know, the only type of grafting that's permissible is when God did it in the creation of the human being. He put a, he put a head, which is from one species, and he put a body, which is from a different species, hirkavta, enosh, leroshenu, and there you go, we have, uh, we have a human being. So actually we're made up of two parts. Now let's go to Pasuk uh, Tedva. This is referring to when we're going to bring the sacrifices when the Beit HaMikdash is going to be built. Olot mechim a'alelach. What is olot mechim? Fattened. Fattened animals. I guess it's big, uh, big zikhut to bring a fat animal to God. You don't want to bring a cheap animal. Im ketoret elim, with the sacrifice of the, of the rams, the burning of the rams, which is type of animal. Eisem bakar, the different type of flock we're going to meet. Im atudim sela. Again, these are different types of korbanot. Lechush shem'u v'asapera kol yedei Elohim, asher asad anafshi. And at that time, I'm going to 
tell over my story uh, how God saved my soul. Elav pikarati, how I called out to God. Veromam tahat leshoni, and the um, uh, the praises of God are under my tongue. Aven imraiti bidibi lo yishma adonai. God, you did not see any uh, bad thoughts in my prayers. Uh, I I prayed. Totally the Shem Shamaim Achin, and that's why Shamaim Elohim, you heard my prayers, Hikshim Bekot Tefilati, and you answered me, Baruch Elohim, blessed be God, that God did not uh, abandon uh, his kindness to me and uh, 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 brought me to salvation in this Galut. So that's a, a nice chapter. It's talking about Hashem carries us through the exile, how he saved us through different periods of time, Haman, etc. And how Bani Olam uh, is going to wow the Goyim in the future. They're going to be so uh, dazzled by the miracles that they're going to have fear. And uh, they're going to, we're going to bring sacrifices. And we're going to be very, very grateful that Hashem brings us to a salvation. That's chapter 65, 66. Now we get to a big chapter, 67. Now... I don't know, we don't have it in the shul here. No, uh, no. We, don't, we only spent $19 million to build the shul, so we don't have everything. You have to forgive us. That's what you do when you build a cheap synagogue like this. You don't get all the, you don't get all the benefits that other shuls have. Okay, we should have spent some more money. That's okay, they know this already. In any event, uh, This chapter 67 is in every Sidur. If you have a Sidur, you'll see that right before Baruch She'amar, there is a chapter that's written in the figure of a menorah. This is a very important chapter. Uh, if you have a Sidur, and maybe we should take a time out and get Sidurim so you can see this. Uh, which one? The phone, oh, absolutely, the phone seat, that's a, a phone seat. Just don't use it on Shabbat. Yeah, right before Baruch She'amar, you should see Lam Naseyah, Binginot Morshir in the shape of the menorah. Now, before I explain the chapter, because the chapter is an incredible chapter in general, but the structure of this chapter is, is very, very significant. Certain books wrote about how important it is to say this chapter every day, and if possible, to say it in the configuration of the menorah. Now, it doesn't mean that you have to actually be looking at it, but you can actually do it in your brain. But first you have to see it in the book once so you know what the image is, and then you could have that image in your brain. What page is it on that, that book over there so we can announce it? This is going to be a wonderful. 41? Yep. Yeah, it's 41. If, if you have this book, this is the book we need to use. You, no, no, I'm going to have it. You know about it. You're unbelievable. Now, if you have that, I want to show you, because there's a lot of secrets that... Can I have one of those two? Just, uh, no, no, keep yours. Because I want you to see it from there. Page 41. There's a lot of secrets that most people are not aware of. Uh, you want it? Take, take, take a seat like this. Of course, not, not every... What's the name like? Uh, what's the name like? Oh, 
Yeah, but the, uh, the reason why I want to show you this, ladies, in 41, in the Magen Abraham, because it has a lot of extra stuff here that I want to explain to you once and for all. So, first of all, it's brought down in the books that whoever reads this chapter at sunrise every day will guarantee not to come to Hasfah Shalom impurity on that day. Furthermore, anybody says it on a daily basis in the configuration of the menorah, like we're going to see now, will get credit as if he lit the menorah in the Beit HaMikdash. And there was a great rabbi called the Rokeyah. Huh? 67. And the Rokeyah brings down that any synagogue that puts the Lamnaseyah binginot mizmoshir as the parochet, as the covering of the hechal, in the image of Lamnaseyah, that congregation will be protected from enemies, from, uh, from, uh, from troubles, and from, uh, from all, and it's a protection to the kahal. A few years back when the synagogue started to beef up their security because things became a little more precarious in America, which we never had that. Usually we had the synagogues, there was no security, the doors were open, uh, we weren't worried about anything. But today, today if you walk into Shadeh Sion, it's a fortress, yeah, yeah, it's walking into Fort Knox. That's the, that's the sign of the times, what should I tell you? Even in our great synagogue here in Lawrence, we have guys, God's outside, bless them. And they're doing a good job trying to protect us. But the Brokeah says, if you really want protection, get a parochet and have the Lamnaseyah written in the shape of the menorah and hang it, and the congregation will be protected. Do they have it here? No, we have it in Brooklyn. But, so when I made that announcement, to the credit, uh, Mr. Ronnie Safdie and his son Maya, may the living be well, uh, they jumped up, they said, I said, oh, we got it, handled. And uh, when they say handled, it's handled, finished. They're not, uh, and a week later, or two weeks later, they, they had some uh, craftsman in Israel design the most beautiful parochet you can imagine, in the shape of the menorah, meaning it has Lam Naseyah on it, and if you come to Brooklyn, you're welcome to come to the shul, you'll see that's our official, that's our official parochet. And Baruch Hashem, it brings, it brings protection to the congregation, at least protection to the rabbi, nobody's... Uh, since we put it up, they've been nice to me. Anyway, in many synagogues, that's why I was saying, I don't know why we don't have it in this, in this main synagogue, I guess we don't want to ruin the walls. The walls are more important than this. But in, in, in conventional synagogues, you have in a, in a frame, you have it in a frame hanging up. Now, we probably have it in the Midrash, but we don't have it over here. So, okay, we have our Sidurim instead that we're able to use. So it's very, very important to know the configuration. So I want you to start to look. First, there's a big argument amongst the rabbis. What is the proper way to build this menorah? Now the Sidu that we're using, the Magen Avraham, chose to start the first pasuk with Lam Naseyam Beginot Moshir. You see that's on top. That goes across. You see, Lamna she goes across. And then the menorah begins with Elohim Yechonenu. Go all the way to the left. The first, the first stick to the left is Elohim Yechonenu. And you're building the menorah left to right. You understand how the chapters work? Keep the, keep the Sidur vertical. And just keep on reading. Elohim Yechonenu, Vibarechenu, Ya'eri Panavitanu, Sela. Second Pazuk. 
לדעת בארץ דרכיך בכל רמישותיך, ידעו כעמים מנהלכם כולם, you're going from left to right, that's how we're reading the chapter. Now, not every sidur agrees with this. If I'm not mistaken, uh, my uh, uh, colleague, Rabbi David Sutton, uh, produced an, a Sephardic sidur uh, with art scroll. I recommend it to all our members. And he, if I'm not mistaken, went through the uh, opinions. And there's another opinion, and I, I think he used it in the sidur, if I'm not sure. I have it in my Tehillim book. They start the menorah going from right to left. So it's the same on top, and then they start from uh, the right, and then they go right to left. Oh, so that, that would be the question. They, they probably lit it like this. They, they probably lit it, you know, like, like we light our menorah. You know, we start with the most right, and then we go left to right. So anyway, this is the big argument. Again, a lot of rabbis agree that it should be this way, where you should start reading it from right to left. Um, that's the Derokeyah. Uh, uh, the students of Rav Haim Vital bring it down, Rav Kepel in the Sidu, the Baal Akedah, um, the Maharshal. Okay, put that Mahlokan on the side. Chabaruch uh, Shalom didn't make a fuss on this point, you know, which menorah we should use, whatever sidur we had, but he did tell us, make sure you read it once a day in a configuration of the menorah. Now, you should also know that there's another big sigula that I'm going to reveal to you. This I heard from Acham Baruch HaLavashul, when we were in eighth grade, I'm surprised that he revealed these secrets because we were so young in Magad David, I don't know why, why he thought we were so, you know, I guess that was his last year, so whatever he had in his head, he gave it to us, and Thank God we were smart enough to retain it. That we're now counting Sefirat Omer. There's 49 days of the Omer. I don't think you ladies are counting, but the men count the Omer. You've heard of that, right? We count the Omer every night. And there are 49 words in this chapter. Besides Lam Naseyah Minginut Mizmorshir, which is the introductory pasuk, Starting from Elohim, Yehonenu, all the way to the end is exactly 49 words. And therefore, every day of Sefirat Omer, we are mechaven, we have concentration to one word. So on the first day of the Omer, we think of Elohim. And then today is the 17th day of the Omer. So I'll tell you which word up to it's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, Yoducha. So today is Yoducha. And every day we go through another uh, word. Okay, there's a Kabbalah on that. Furthermore, this is just amazing the structure of this chapter. Besides it having 49 words, if you take the center uh, piece, now, no matter how you configure the menorah, right to left or left to right, the centerpiece is always going to be the same pasuk. Yismihu virannenu leumim ki tishpot amim mishor uleumim ba'aris tanhem sela. That's the centerpiece. If you count how many letters are in that pasuk, there's exactly 49 letters. So every day of the Omer, we also calculate and concentrate one of those letters. So today being the 17th, 
So you count 17 letters, that's what so it's Yismeho is what? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. I think it's the Chaf of Ki. Am I going to count right? The Chaf of Ki? Is that the 17th letter? The point is, every, uh, every day of the Omer, so we have two Kabanot. We have the word in the general chapter, and then we mechaben the letter from the center, the center stick. So far, so good? Now, the Ben Ishai writes in his book, another tremendous sigula that brings great protection and uh, all the blessings, that if you can find yourself during the days of the Omer, during Birkat Kohanim, come to shul, when the Kohanim are making the Birkat Kohanim, specifically during the Omer, and you say, after the Quran finish, then quietly you read Lam to yourself in the shape of the menorah, and the Benish I promises the world protection and health. So that's why if you come to our shul, for example, during the time of the Omer, you see everybody have their Sidud opened up to this page. And a lot of guests, they come, why is everybody why is they opening up to this page? It's Birkat Quranim. What, what are they doing over here? This is Baruch Shamar uh, page. So, uh, they don't know. They don't know what the Ben Ishai says, that during Sfirat Omer to read Lam Nasayah in the image of the menorah after the Birkat Quranim. Now, I recently saw, to my amazement, and again, I guess we shouldn't be shocked because there's so much depth in these chapters, that this chapter actually follows the same structure as Birkat Kohanim. Now let's see, let's see how that's done. Let's see how that's done. First of all, you have the first word in the chapter, or the, the, the second person was Elohim Yehonenu. You see that word Yehonenu? Honenu means God should have, uh, give us uh, mercy, but for free, without us deserving it. Honenu is Melashon Hinam. He should have mercy on us. Now, that word, Honenu, is found in Birkat Kohanim. How does Birkat Kohanim begin? Oh, it says, Ya'er Hashem Panab Elecha, Vihoneka. So you have a similar word, Vihoneka, and you have Vihonenu. Now, the next word is what? Vibarechen. Vibarechenu also was in Birkat Kohanim. That's the first word of Birkat Vibarechecha. So therefore we have Vibarechenu. And the next pasuk says what? Ya'er. Uh, Very good. Yeah. Where's that pasuk? We have it over here. Ya'er parabitanu. So in the first pasuk you have Yechonenu Vibarechenu Ya'er. Which is the three words that are used in Birkat Kohanim. Ya'er Hashem panav elecha v'choneka and yibarechecha, which is the beginning. Furthermore, if you look at the structure of Birkat Kohanim, Birkat Kohanim has an amazing structure. There's nothing holier than the Sefer Torah. So anytime you have a structure of a chapter, that's connected to the Sefer Torah or the Torah in some way, you know it's a very, very special chapter. Now, whether you know this or not, 
we take out the Sefer Torah on Mondays and Thursdays. How many people go up to the Torah on a Monday and a Thursday? Three. No more than three, no less. You can't send up any extras. On holidays, we just had Pesach, we send up a little more. People are not going to work, they have some extra time, so we send up five. On Shabbat, however, we send up seven. So that's a magical configuration. Three, five, seven. I'm not telling you to play the lottery today, but I am telling you that whenever you see that configuration in, in, the, in the chapter or in any to- part of Torah, you know it's representing the people that go up to the Sefer Torah on holy days. Three during the week, five on holidays, and seven on Shabbat. Now, if you look at Birkat Kohanim, the first pasuk in Birkat Kohanim is Yibarechecha Hashem V'yishmerecha. Three words. The second pasuk is Ya'er Hashem Panav Elecha V'chunecha. Five words. And the last pasuk is Yisa Hashem Panav Elecha V'yasem Lecha Shalom. Seven words. So once you have a configuration of three, five, seven, all the Berachot are there. Because already it's connected now to what it represents in the people that go up to the Aliyah. So it's like you're getting all the Aliyot. When you're getting the Kat Korim, it's like you went up to all, you went up three, five, so you got all the, imagine a guy gets 10 Aliyot, 15 Aliyot, an incredible uh, Zehud. The Kat Korim has that in its DNA. Now, this chapter, since I just showed you, has the same words as Birkat Kohanim, it shares the same, the same principle. Let's try to look at the word Yibarechin. You see the word Yibarechin? In Pasuk Bet. Elohim Yuchonenu Yibarechin. That means blessings. Let's do this experiment ourselves. Can you find out in this chapter how many times it says the word Yibarechin? So I'll help you also. If you look at Pasuk Zayin, Eres Natanayi Bula Yibarechinu. That's two. And if you look at Pasukhet, it says Yebarechenu. So Yebarechenu is written three times. Now there's another word in the chapter, Elohim, which is God's name. Let's count it. I see in Pasuk Bet is Elohim. That's one. I see in Pasuk Dalid there's Elohim. That's two. I see in Pasuk Vav there's Elohim. That's three. I see in Pasuk Zion. And I see Elohim, Elohenu, only Elohim we want. So that's four. And in Pasuket, Yibarechenu Elohim. So there's five Elohims. And finally, uh, if you look at how many Pasukim are in this chapter, outside of the first Pasuk, which means obviously it has to be seven because we're lighting a menorah. So therefore, the, the code encoded in the chapter, we have a, a word that's written three times, we have a word that's written. Five times and the seven pesukim, so it's got the configuration exactly like Berkat Kohanim of three, five, seven. So it has all that, all that magic as well that Berkat Kohanim has. Yes. In Parashat Naso, in the Torah. Now, consider this your lucky day. I never taught this in public. But now that we're here already, and it's a Tehilim class, and we have to analyze the chapter, so I'll explain to you. You're in your Magen Abraham Sidur, correct? So now I want to show you some things that they added to this 
you see on the right side, all the way down, you see where it says Samichtaf and then the word Tzom. What does that mean over there? Samichtaf Tzom. So I'll show you what it means. And why did they put that? Um, why did they put that on the right side? This is on the right side of the of the of the, of the mizmor. Go to the left side of the mizmor. You see again Samichtaf, and it says Hacham. And that they put on the left side. So I will explain to you. Samichtaf stands for Sofetevot. Sofetevot means, right, you know, you know what Rashetevot means? Rashetevot means the first letter of the Pasuk. It's called Rashetevot. Sofetevot is the last letter. Now, if you take the first three Pesukim, what is the last letter of the first Pasuk? Tzadi. And what's the next letter? Vav. And the next letter? Mem. What does that spell? Tzom. That's what it means. Sofetevot Tzom. The first three letters, I'm sorry, the first three Pesukim, the last letters are Rashetevot Tzom. Understand what they did? Okay, I'm going to go slow again. You see the first Pesuk, Yibarechenu? What's the last letter of that pasuk? You see, first, the first leg of the menorah, all the way to the right. Read the pasuk. Read it. Read it. Great. What's the last letter you just read? Aretz. Atzadi. Now go to the next pasuk. You do Eres. Got it? And the next one, Mem. So the last letters of the first three Pesukim spell the word Tzom. Now I know you say, big deal, who cares? Well, it's a big deal. It is a big deal. Just because you don't know it doesn't mean it's not a big deal. It's a big deal. Tzom, which means a fast. The holy books tell us that if a person wants to get answered, if his prayers to be answered, there's one of three ways. One way is fasting. That's what we do on Yom Kippur. Another way is to pray out to God. You call out to God. That's referred to as kol. Kol. Kol means a voice. Now if you take the numerical value of the word tzom, sadi vav mem is 136. Sadi is 90. Vav mem is 46. Tzom equals 136. And the word kol, kof, Vav Lamid also equals 136 to show you that they're equal. Tzom and Kol, which means you could fast. Now in Yom Kippur we actually do both. We actually fast and we pray, so you got a double barrel gun. Now there's a third item that the books tell us how we can get a good judgment, by giving tzedakah. The way we say money in Hebrew is mamon. Correct? And how do you spell mamon? Mem, mem, which is 80. Vav, which is 6, which is 86, and Nun is 50, also equals 136. So therefore you see, now go back. gematria kol mamon. The word som is the same numerical value as the word kol, and as the word mamon. So when you're reading this chapter, it's like you fasted. Because tzom, you're connecting to tzom. And when you have the kabanah, that the tzom also equals kolo, so you get the benefits. I mean, 
I know you're saying it's too easy. Well, this is, this, is, this is why it's a great religion. Certain things are hard, certain things are easy. This is one of the easier things. That if you mechaven this with the tzofet tevod, and it's going to take you 15 minutes to read the chapter with all these kabanot, but it might be worth your time to do it once in a while. Now let's go to the... And that's why, ladies, it's on the right side, because we're talking about the last three letters of the right pesukim. Now go to the left side of the chapter, and let's look at the last letters of the last three pesukim. Start from Elohim. What's the last letter? <laughs> What's the letter of the next pasuk? Chaf. And the next one? Yeah. Now go, go down and see the word that say, Sofete Bot Hakam. You got it? The Sofete Bot of the last three pasukim are He, Chaf, and Mem. Now I know that that doesn't mean anything to you, but the numerical value of those letters is 65. And we know that 65 is the numerical value of God's name, Adanut. Aleph, Dalit, Dunjun, also equals 65. And it is also the numerical value of the word Hillel. Hel, Lamed, Lamed, also equals 65. So that's an additional Kabbalah that we have when we read this chapter. We study the end letters. Now what about the beginning letters? Why did we jump to Sofet Tevot and not to Rashi Tevot? Well, listen, this book over here, I think they sell it for seven or eight bucks. So how much could they put? You know, they're not going to put the whole uh, kitchen sink for seven bucks. But if, you, if you're willing to pay a little extra and get a better Sidur, they give you more, uh, more information. Now, I, I give them credit. For seven bucks, to give us even this little cabana on the bottom is a nice perk. But I'm not satisfied with that. In my... No disrespect, but the book that I have. You have also the secrets of the Rashetevot. Now, since you don't have it in front of you, it's going to be a little more challenging, but let's do it ourselves. What's the Rashetevot of the first three Pesukim? How about Aleph Lamed Yud? Don't take my word. What's, what's the first pasuk? Elohim, right? The first pasuk is Elohim. No problem. Aleph Lamed Yud, right? Eli, like my name. So therefore you have over here, Aleph Lamed Yud. Okay, that's, that's, that's Hashem's name. Eli. Eli is one of the names of God. So that's, uh, that's obviously very good. Now let's go to the uh, last three pesukim. Not the middle pesukim. Go to the last three pesukim. It's a yud, an aleph, and a yud. Which numerically equals 21. And God's, one of his holy names is Eheyeh. Aleph, he, yud, he, which is 21. So we mechaven, the, so now we have Eli and Eheyeh. So we have two hidden names of God that are actually in the Rashet Tevot. Look what's going on in this chapter. We have an Eli in the Rashet Tevot over here. We have uh, Eheyeh over here. And then on the bottom left we have Adanut, which we said in the Sofet Tevot. So a lot of hidden names of Hashem are coming out of this chapter. Now let's do 
a trick. Let's take all the six letters that we just uh, combined, Aleph, Lamed, Yud, and Yud, Yud. Actually, let's take the Rashid of the whole chapter. The first pasuk is Aleph, then a Lamed, then a Yud, then a Yud, then a Yud, then an Aleph, then a Yud. Correct? Going across? If you take all those letters and count them up, I'll do it with you. Aleph is one, Lamed is 30, that's 31. Yud, that's 41. Yud again is 51. Yud again is 61. Uh, Aleph is one, that's 62. And Yud is 72. 72 represents the holy name of God that equals 72. There's a holy name of God that's called Shem Ayin Bet. And that's Mechuvan also. And that's the name of God of ultimate mercy. And that's alluded to in all the Rashi of the time. So again, wherever you turn in this chapter, there's something magical that pops out. But now I want to tell you one more, uh, one more secret. If you have a homash, you'll appreciate this. In the beginning of Parashat B'Shalach, you'll notice that there's three pesukim, back to back to back. The first pasuk starts with the word Vayisa, and then the next pasuk is Vayavo, and then Vayit. If you get to see the homash on the way out, I'll show it to you exactly where these pesukim are. This is one of the most unique three pesukim that we have in the whole Torah. Tell you why. Because it is in this three pasukim that if you count the letters, each pasuk has exactly 72 letters, which is a rarity. Imagine you have three pasukim in a row, 72, 72, 72. And that cannot be a coincidence. Altogether, this is higher mathematics. Now we're going to do 72 times 3. Maybe you want to take out a calculator. 72 times 3 is 216. I'm just kidding. I don't see it. The point is, there's 216 letters in those three pesukim. The Zohar Kadosh talks extensively about the power of those three pesukim. Hashem has many names. Now, many of the names you know. Many of them you don't know. And Hashem has 72 names. Each name is consisting of three letters. And where do we get these names from? So the Zohar Kador says, you take the first letter of the first pasuk, you take the last letter of the second pasuk, and the first letter of the third pasuk, and you create a three-letter digit, digit three, three letters, three-letter name. And so we did. And keep on doing that. Second letter, second to the last letter, second letter. You create a second name. And you do that 72 times, and you end up with 216 letters, but it's actually 72 three-letter names. And these are the names that were used at the time of the splitting of the sea. That's why God took out all the names. God willing, on the way out, whoever's interested for show and tell, I'll show you a sidur that we have in the shul that gives you the names. So you could just get a glimpse of what these names are if you're interested in seeing it. But for our purposes, anytime you come across the number 216, 
it represents those three pesukim, which is magic, which is the, the holy names of God. Now, this chapter has in it a configuration of 216, so you should be very excited about that, as I am. Now, where are you going to have that? So he says like this. Let's see if we can do this. Take the middle pasuk. Ismihu. The middle pasuk starts with a yud and ends with a he. Selah. So the middle branch of the menorah starts with a yud and ends with a he. Okay, that's 15. Which anyway is God's name, yud ke. It's the name of God. You see the middle branch? The middle branch starts yismihu. Sweet it down. It goes all the way down to the word selah. So it ends with a he. Yud, he. Now, Yeah, because they want, they want to make the menorah or the base. Mine doesn't, actually. Mine actually goes all the way down. They want to be fancy. They made, made it over there. Again, I think this is more... Uh, I think this is more accurate, this one. But it doesn't matter. You're fine. I thought you didn't make a big deal about it. Let us use whatever secret we use. So, you, so far you have your kid, ladies? Beautiful. You want to go further or you had enough? Okay, good. So now... You remember we said that the last three letters of the first three pesukim, the last three letters, he chaf mem. How much is he chaf mem equal? He chaf mem equals sixty-five. Okay, beautiful. So we have now so far sixty-five plus fifteen because we did the yud ke. So what does that give you? Eighty. It's a shame. I wanted to get to two sixteen. We're too far away. I don't know if we'll be able to do it. Let's go to the next one. The next. Three letters, the sofet, what we said with som, right? Som. And som we said is 136. What's 136 and 80? Ah, 216. That's all we wanted. Magic. So it's there. So it's there. Two, again, 80 plus 136 is 216, and we did it. So therefore, in the configurations of these letters, so fetevot across, plus the yudke down, get you to susa. So now you're connecting to those three pesukim that have all the different uh, powers uh, as such. That's brought down in uh, Shara Kavanot. So, needless to say, there's definitely something going on in this, in this chapter over here. Uh, that's why it would definitely be worth our while. In the olden days, they used to actually print uh, a page of this, like on cloth, on, on parchment, and they would leave it in the sidur. They would put it in the sidur and read it from parchment. I, I have one of those uh, as well. This is from the Kabbalah. To write it in this uh, configuration, it's coming from the Kabbalah. And all, the, all these secrets that are, uh, that are within now, that will call at least the introduction to chapter 67. So next week, God willing, now that we got all this technical stuff out of the way, now the more important part of the class is, what is it saying? You know, all this stuff is the, is the, is the esoteric part, which is very nice, but if you have no idea what the words mean, so you're missing the, uh, you're missing the neshama. So we'll have a part two of chapter, chapter 67, 
And we'll pick that up, Bezat Hashem, uh, next week. Okay. Baruch Amen. Amen.